as he finally succumbed to madness. The madness signaled when he revealed he didn't like Bioshock. Or is this some kind of a trick? Despairingly, he wondered. What? What? Where am I? There are so many old TVs and computer monitors here. Where in the world? No! Not there. Who's that? How are you talking on my compass? I didn't accept notifications. You're not in control. This is the Hall of a Thousand Doors. A thousand? Doors. You know these intros are meant to last like two minutes tops, right? This is the hall of ten doors. Five, five doors. Oh my god! How mysterious. I know. <sighs> You're probably thinking, this is so abstract. There must be metaphors everywhere, aren't you? Layers upon layers. I was actually thinking, can you speed it up a bit? These five doors are beginning to feel like the original thousand. But no. It's my job to speak very, very slowly and with a certain abnormal mystique. I sometimes add the word child, too, for extra weirdness, child. Abnormal, all right. Come on, then. Mystique or Wolverine or whichever ex-person you want to be, let's be having them, then. How do I get started on these doors of yours? Call me conventional, but... Fine, fine. I'll knock on your goddamn door. Knock, knock. Who's that? No, that was just me knocking on your door, giving you the sound effect to get the ball rolling. Ah, thought you'd inserted your own joke. It was... Unclear. Hmm, no one home. Guess I'll try the next door. Uh, are all these doors just locked? No, not all. Try another. I'm now banging door number three. Bang, bang, bang. Hey, number three, hello? Oh, hey, man. Like, hey, yeah, cool, cool. Are we? Are we cool? We are? Y you bring me my... Uh, wait, you're not him. You're not, are you? Not who? I'm just looking for a way out. Maybe you can help me. A way out? <laughs> Aren't we all, man? Aren't we all? Well, that made no sense. But did it, though? No. Right, last two doors. Finally. <sighs> How am I meant to open doors number four and five? Are they even unlockable? <laughs> Noob. With fire and sword. Fire and sword, but I don't have either of those things. Just got my Tamagotchi spider that I've never mentioned before, but turns out I carry religiously. Not those bloody spiders again. <laughs> yes, I'll ask that weirdo in door number three. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. You got any fire or a uh, sword? You again? <laughs> you show up here like the popo hassling me, jamming me up, playing rickety dick on my door? You offering me nothing and I don't know you from Adam. Easy, man. I ain't no man. Don't be calling me no man. Don't be making no assumptions about no gender. All right, I'm sorry. Well, what's your name? It's, it's Ben. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm Ben. Okay, well, I'm Teo, and maybe I do have something I could trade. Here, try this VR headset on. What the hell's this? This is... Pixel, Pixel Vision! Vision. So, recording this at 1pm, early morning for Teo. 
by all accounts. Yeah. Early holiday morning for me. Rolled out of bed straight onto the mic. Reliving your adolescence. Yes, I suppose you could say I was reliving my adolescence. Well, it's a Christmas episode, so let's uh, feel some Christmas cheer. Yeah. I'm like, I'm imagining trees and presents and reindeers and stuff. I particularly like that you've worn your Christmas jumper. That- <laughs> Do you want to tell us about that design? Well, it's got kind of like, you know, like those Scandinavian patterns, standard Scandinavian patterns. Standard. It's like a blue band and then it's white kind of like crisscross and then like little patterns of Christmas animals sort of interspersed in the, mm. in the pattern lines. I feel like you're just making this shit up because I'm looking at you. And you just wearing a black top. <laughs> you little fucker. <laughs> well, should we get into the festive game? It's about as festive a game as we could have played on Christmas, I'd say. Merry Christmas, everyone. Nothing says festive like gore and decay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're playing Observer, uh, which is not to be mistaken with Observation, the previous psychological horror game which we played and really liked. Is there was any doubt about that still? Yeah. Well, it's just not what I expected at all. I expected a cyberpunk noir detective game mm. of the sort of genre that many of our listeners will already know I'm a big fan of. You know, I thought I'd be analysing crime scenes, solving murders. Instead, this is almost stream of consciousness level abstract series of bleak and very twisted vignettes, none of which has that much to do with solving crimes, I think. No. The most detective thing you do in the whole thing really is like follow a trail of blood, (laughs) which is, (laughs) which kind of gives you an indication for the sort of like level of crime solving that you're getting up to. Yeah. And for that reason, I was just, I think I was already a little bit disappointed when I kicked off because I was intrigued. I didn't know, beyond that, I didn't have much by way of expectation. You know, I was quite excited to play it. That noir world is one that in general, I quite like, although we've talked about previously, how I think it is getting a little bit tired and in need of some innovation. Mm. Don't think this is the game that innovated with it, to be honest. But do you want to quickly run through more of your Teo monologue? It's a psychological horror game. First person perspective. No combat. It's more in the walking simulator mould than other games that we've played. You play as Daniel, who is an observer, where the title of the game comes from, who's essentially a really rubbish Robocop. (laughs) That's true. Set in 2084, following World War Three, the world, or at least Poland, is owned by a mega corporation called Chiron. The corporation seized power and forged the Fifth Polish Republic, a crooked empire of blood and ash. There was no one left to oppose them. They control everyone's lives. Citizens are ranked into classes. And out of the blue, you receive a communication from your class A son who sounds like he's in trouble. So you track the signal, go to the apartment where your son was, and yeah, mysteries start to unravel from then on. Or pile up, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, or pile up, depending on how you look at it. So the whole game really is set in this one apartment building. So it's quite a tight, claustrophobic game. Tools at your disposal, you can scan by electronics, so you can 
find all the pieces of cyberpunky future mods that people have on their bodies and around their houses or you can do kind of like bio vision where you can see all the blood so those are your tools and yeah you're um, unraveling the mystery of what's happened to your son yeah and all of that setup happens in the first what three minutes of the game would you say mm. it's quite a cinematic opening i thought mm. um although you are just uh, relegated to the role of observer quite literally throughout that period so you kind of see this stuff unfold and then he drives in a snazzy little vehicle to this apartment building where the whole rest of the game ends up taking place it's a cool opening i was into it from the start it does that classic maybe it's not a half-life thing but it might as well be a film apart from the fact that you can look around but just being able to look around seems to add quite a lot little details like i think you can see yourself in the car mirror and look behind and that kind of thing that is interesting though because for that reason i sort of almost off the bat felt like i was kind of watching a tech demo rather than playing a game it felt visually stimulating but other than looking around and occasionally clicking there wasn't very much playing of a game going on if you see what i mean and I thought that might just be in the opening, but actually, as we'll get into, it kind of feels like that more or less throughout. Yeah, it's true. The interactivity is limited. And as you say, it's like in the name, you are very much the observer of the title. This is from Bluber Team, who are a Polish studio. Hence, I assume the setup being in Poland and the characters being Polish. They're a studio who have focused almost exclusively, I think, on horror titles with the most recent one being The Medium, which came out in January last year. This one actually came out in 2017, and we're playing a remastered or, like, remuxed edition of it, aren't we? Mm. Which I think is meant to add more content. Having not played the 2017 version, I don't know whether I experienced that content. I understand it's just kind of dribbled in and it extends the playtime a little bit by an hour or so, from what I can tell from articles and stuff. It doesn't feel like you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is the added bit or anything like that. It's very kind of seamless experience in that regard mm. but the other point is these guys did like the Blair Witch and the Layers of Fear games and if I'd have known that going in I think I'd have been more prepared for this horror that they unleash upon you versus like I said before my expectation of it being quite a cerebral detective thing mm. no this is very much dark twisted monstrosity filled game yeah for sure and we should probably say that if you really want to play this game then there's definitely going to be spoilers for the story in from the start because we're really going to be having to get into the plot points straight away if we want to think about it mm. would you recommend to our listeners that they uh play this game or not bearing in mind so we should say it's a uh, it's about eight or nine hours long isn't it yeah a bit longer than we were expecting it to be i guess because of those added features from the re-release but yeah, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of the genre, which to be fair, like I don't know if I would include myself as a fan of the genre, but I enjoyed it. And I would say if you're thinking about playing it, don't listen to this episode yet. Oh, well, for a second, you're going to say, it. I would say if you're thinking of playing it, don't. <laughs> which is more or less where I would come down, I think. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not that I thought it was bad for what it did so much as I really didn't like what it did. Mm. Like, I think probably if you do really like twisted stuff, then maybe this ticks a lot of boxes for you. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea. But, like, in terms of enjoyment from a game and, like, feeling excited to play it and, I don't know, all the things I wanted from a game, the sort of meaning that's incumbent on that word playing, 
I felt was not there in this game. And so for me, I would say cautiously approach this one. Maybe watch a trailer, at least one trailer, maybe watch a bit of gameplay. It's kind of relentless and it's very unpleasant. Mm, that's true. Clearly that's what it was trying to do. So when we're talking about things like that, we mean like gore and... Just nastiness, though. Just nastiness. Just general, like, seeing, like, horrible things. Yeah. Horrific things on screen as you're playing all the time. Like, it is pretty relentless in that sense. We should probably have a disclaimer as well that just by virtue of the content of the game, if you are a small child, this podcast may be unsuitable for you. Or if you're listening in the car or whatever as well. Mm. We never give warnings like this normally, but this one's pretty sordid yeah. as episodes go. And I do want to talk about some of that filth, so... <laughs> so, for instance, let's just go straight in there with the crime scene that you find when you reach the apartment. Your son, or who you assume your son is, is in their apartment, head sliced off, blood everywhere immediately pretty gruesome mm -hmm. and it's got this extra layer of skin crawling horribleness because of the cyberpunk nature of it so everyone's bodies like they're not just their human bodies they're these twisted hybrid cyborg bodies bio augmented yeah that everyone's got going on and that look and that feel is throughout the whole game so eventually even like the whole building and everything you see becomes like these sort of like twisted organs or wires or both or you're not really sure like what's living and what's robotic they look like the characters from that do you remember that russian rts game we played Soviet-based one. Yeah, Iron Harvest. Iron Harvest. They look like the guys from that, don't they? Or that one specific guy from that who's, like, basically been turned into a half-machine. Mm. They all kind of have that look. Yeah. And even when you arrive, before you even see the crime scene, you know it's going to be like that, because the janitor, um, aptly named Janus, or Janus, because he's a janitor, I assume. I didn't even clock it, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> Basically is like that himself and is a very sinister character. He stutters a lot and he's clearly got some sort of brain damage and half of his body's been replaced with metal and it's that vibe. Yeah, you think that he could come and stab you in the back at any point, basically. Like you're meant to feel really put on edge by... To be honest, pretty much every character in this game. Nobody's giving you any support or guidance. It's just nerve-wracking. And the, the environment itself, so in that crime scene, that very first crime scene you go into, I think you find, like, the novel 1984 lying around. Mm. That's strewn across the world. Like, you find it in so many rooms, it feels a bit on the nose, to be honest. Yeah, oh, it's really on the nose. And it's set in 2084, right? Which is 100 years after 1984. And that can't be an accident. It's a good point. Yeah, I didn't actually clock that. Partly because a lot of the correspondence you read is dated 1983. Sorry, 2083. So when you first said it was set in 2084, I was like, wait, is it? But then, yeah, that's historic correspondence. So that makes sense. It's the year earlier. But yeah, so like that book's lying around. There's like illegal and contraband tech everywhere. So like your little tech scanner that Teo mentioned before that sends the world green and highlights all the illicit substances and technology that's in the environment that's going crazy every room you enter there's crypto credit cards and drug capsules and this drug that you take the whole time what is that drug synchrozine it's called which it's really unclear what it does or if it does anything right yeah if it does anything you can bring up the the menu in the game or your quest log or whatever you want to call it is in your wrist 
So you press the middle mouse button while I was playing with the mouse and it zooms up this hologram out of your wrist and you can choose to inject synchrosine and occasionally it'll say like synchrosine levels low after you've done a specific event or something. Mm. What I noticed, and I don't know if I'm just imagining this, but it felt like the screen sort of... Basically, there's a lot of visual tearing, there's a lot of graphical and visual distortions going on just mm. constantly. And I think when you first take a synchrosine, that lessens quite significantly and then slowly deteriorates and sound becomes more and more distorted and all that kind of stuff until you get that warning like another synchrosine needed. There's also this little graph that shows what appears to be like a red line and a yellow line or something like that that are getting more and more out of sync. Mm. And then when you take a synchrosine. If you take more than one, you can almost flatline that and the screen goes really blurry, like you've taken too mm. many. Basically, you're on Valium or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. You can collect synchrosine, but you don't have a count of how many you've got. And at no point did it say I was running low or that I'd ran out. So I'm not really sure whether you need to collect it or if that's just to make it feel a little bit more real. It's unclear whether you need to or you don't. Certainly you get a little achievement for doing too much and it says like overdose on synchrosine. But there is a little bar next to the button you press to insert it, which I think is like a gauge for how much you've collected. Right. But yeah, there's not unlimited amounts of it. So like you could easily run out. I was a little bit worried about running out of synchrosine. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I did feel like the threat of like, what will happen if I run out of synchrosine? I don't want to know. <laughs> like this game's already horrific enough. I'll take my synchrosine. Thank you very much. And like hope that I'm on the straight and narrow. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually, because I experienced the same thing where I was like, crap, like I haven't actually picked any up for ages. Have I got enough? So I think you're probably right there. I think it probably doesn't do anything other than create that sense of potential scarcity that just adds to the anxiety of playing. Your signal's all over the place. Have you taken your meds? I will, in a moment. Do it now. I need you in good shape. Yes. I can't remember if we said, but basically the building goes into lockdown as soon as you arrive. So you're locked into this building with like sirens going off, all the technology, which absolutely lines the walls, seems to be flashing constantly. Another reason why I said it feels like a tech demo is because they've clearly spent a lot of time and effort on the lighting and on the visual effects and all that stuff. Mm. Personally, I feel like they've done that at the expense of some other things, like meaningful interaction with the environment and with the characters in the game. But it's stimulating, isn't it? It's quite distressing, in fact. Yeah. Because it's almost overwhelming how much is going on. Plus, because you are this policeman and your job almost immediately becomes just knocking on shit tons of doors because that's your only way to get clues about what's gone on, mm. hence the intro, then you're a policeman. No one's interested in communicating with you, really. It's that classic, like, oh, yeah, the police are here, whatever kind of thing. Yeah, like you said, no one wants to speak to you, but most of the doors you can't go in. You're just speaking to someone through their doorbell, which has a screen on it, but it's like the shittiest blurry screen. Like maybe you'll see a bit of their eye or just a blurry colour or something. You know, half their mouth or something. But you do get a sense for the world that you're inhabiting through each of those little 
dialogues with the residents of the apartments. And some of them were more interesting than others, but I always enjoyed pressing on the doors. Like I definitely didn't feel like it was a chore. I wanted to hear what the person behind the door had to say, whether or not it advanced the main story or not. Hello. Sorry to disturb. Does Natalie live here? She lives next door. Ah. Brilliant. You're not who I think you are, are you? Yes, I'm afraid I am, and I'm sorry about all the cock-ups. Not my fault. My cabinets are absolute crap. We have to do better next year. Merry Christmas to you. It felt like they were there more to advance the atmosphere and foster this unsettling, unpleasant environment that you're in, mm. rather than because they had any significant contribution to make to your investigation. So, for instance, a lot of the doors you'll knock on and they'll reference, like, domestic abuse that's going on in there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that. You can sometimes hear people shouting at their kids or, like, maybe the kid answers the door. Like one in particular, which we'll get to, mm. where that happens. Actually, a lot of the doors that you knock on don't have anyone inside. Mm. They just don't answer, which is another reason why in the intro I was like, yeah, we had five doors, but only bloody one of them actually had anyone in. Because that feels like you walk around this apartment, it's literally got hundreds of rooms in it. You go through the first, the second floor, the third floor, or maybe not hundreds, but like a lot of rooms. And mm. most of them are locked or they don't answer the door actually mm, true and even some of the ones with intercoms like just do this kind of like dead intercom sound i thought it was a bit of a cop out that they didn't have people actually physically open the door like how much more engaging would it have been maybe it wouldn't maybe i'm wrong about this but it feels like it would have been more engaging if they'd have cracked the door slightly and spoken to you through the gap and you could kind of see behind them that maybe there was a row going on or that the kids were fighting or like, I don't know, it would have felt a bit more. Instead, even the way they do that audio, for instance, in the example of the kids fighting, you hear the kind of first one kid shout, then the other kid shout, and then you hear the dad. It's not like all over the top of each other and cacophonous as you would expect it to be in that scenario. Mm -hmm. So it feels really artificial, I think. Mm. What I did think about not seeing them is just how isolated and alone it made you feel as the player walking around this apartment block. You do feel really alone. And what I thought it did really successfully is make you feel vulnerable as well. Like, given that there is no combat, I literally kept having to tell myself, like, it's a game, nothing bad can happen. It's a game, nothing bad can happen. Because it really feels or felt like to me that something bad could happen <laughs> at any moment. Oh, mate, you're just, uh, you're horror naive, I reckon. Maybe, because I wanted to ask you at the start, like, if you enjoy horror films and stuff. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. But not you. Not anymore. You're kind of looking for information, but every door you knock on, you're just reminded that this is a shithole <laughs> and nobody is enjoying their lives here. Yeah. yeah, people are losing their minds. One guy's got some sort of dementia or something and he used to be a captain on a ship or something. And you sort of humour him um, that he's still there, but at the same time, your character's literally saying, like, your past is catching up with you kind of thing. Mm. It's really stupid that bit, actually. He's like, your past is catching up with you. And the guy behind the door is like, what did you say? What did you say? And he's like, I said, your crew are probably catching up with you. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, like, that's oh, really what? funny. Quite a few of the conversations were a bit stupid like this. Another one was um, this guy who used to be a boxer in the ring. 
and now he's obviously living in this. I think are you in is it a class C or a class B building that you're in? It's class C, yeah. Class C, yeah. So it's clearly like the squalid section of society, you know. So this former boxer who was on TV and stuff, and now he's living here, and he answers and he says. I used to be able to crush a man's skull with my bare hands, and now I can't even wipe my own ass. And your character says, what's wrong? What's happened to your ass? In that really stilted way that he talks. And I just thought, what a shit bit of writing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a lot like that, I thought, where it was, I couldn't tell if it was trying to be humorous and like your character trying to be funny or if it was just bad what did you think about the at one point you knock on a door and an ai essentially a sex robot answers the door Mm. and it's really clear that she's a robot and you start talking to her for a little bit and then your final line to her is well i'd say goodbye but i suppose what would be the point kind of thing because you're not a person why would i bother saying goodbye to you and she says yeah because that would humanize me and you say what and she's like thank you for using me and then like disconnects yeah that's good i thought that was really good like when that happened i was like did i really just hear that like i knew that i'd heard it but it set me off balance because i wasn't expecting it throughout the whole bit of dialogue and i was like huh yeah well i wanted to spend a chunk of time actually because i'm conscious that for myriad reasons i didn't love it and i'll no doubt get to many of my other criticisms but Mm. for that reason i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the ideas that are in it because the conceit is interesting. It's not original, I don't think. In fact, there's a really good Clive Owen film called Anon. And basically the idea in that is that everyone has these lenses, these like contact lenses that they wear constantly and are constantly recording. So when crimes happen, it's pretty much like a crimeless world. But when crimes happen, the detectives, essentially observers, mm. show up and clock into their neural implants or their like lenses and are able to see what unfolded in the minutes leading up to their deaths. And obviously they discover that what they're seeing and what actually happened aren't the same things. And it's like this idea that your reality can kind of be hacked and be changed and mutated. Mm. Last night when I was chasing her, that's where it starts. What I see changes the stairs. Stretch. It's an optical illusion, which later disappears from my record. And it doesn't end there. At this moment... I'm seeing a train at the platform. A train that isn't there. That is sort of what happens here as well. Except whereas that film is quite grounded in like the idea that reality is as it is, and maybe that could happen in a in a dystopian future. This is more like reality isn't like it is, and from the word go, you're told you're not in control. So the whole time you're doubting what you're seeing, you're doubting what you're hearing. The scenes transition. The reason I said it's like navigating your way through a series of vignettes at the beginning is because half the time you start walking along a corridor and then it just changes to a different scene entirely or there's like a massive visual distortion and then you're somewhere else and then a second later there's another visual distortion and you're somewhere else. It does that outer worlds thing of you're facing one way, when you turn around, what was just behind you looks different. And when you turn around again, it looks different again, mm. which I swear I never encountered in a game until Outer Wilds. And since then, I feel like I've encountered it a lot. But yeah, like getting back to the actual idea of the game, the, the kind of impetus of it. Firstly, is this a future that could happen? Secondly, if it did happen, would it be as bleak as this? So much of this game is about bio-enhancements and augmentations, and it paints this picture that it's like a universal bad. And I was wondering, 
What's Teo think? Would Teo have an augmentation? Do you think they're a universal bad? Is this just a black mirror depiction? But in fact, it negates all of the possible good. Oh, definitely a black mirror depiction. Clearly, the world has gone so wrong in this future. But yeah, no, I don't think it's a universal evil at all. There's also something about a lot of cyberpunk games where they kind of pick and choose the advancements that they want. The CRT monitors are a really good example of this in this game. It's like you have the ability, like nanotechnology and the ability to augment people so that they're like physically superior or whatever than they were before. Yeah, and you can plug into their brains and see their memories and shit. Plug into the brain, see their memories, like plug into the web, whatever, but you don't have a flat screen yeah. or you don't have the architectural nows to like build a nice apartment complex. Like it has to be really, really dingy and horrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like so functional that they haven't thought to disguise the inner workings of the technology. Instead, it's just cables everywhere, massive pipes, chunky and you think god i wouldn't let this anywhere near my kitchen let alone in my body yeah and speaking of kitchen there's one kitchen in the apartment complex and you can choose what meal you want on the screen they're clearly meant to be quite attractive meals like really nice but every button you press it's just the same sludge comes out from a different pipe and then you look up and it's just this tank of sludge (laughs) so it's like food technology has gone so badly wrong (laughs) in this version of the future soylent green or whatever Soylent Green has been exhausted. Laundry. For some reason people can't sort out their laundry, but they can sort out their high-tech augments. Well, so would you get one though? If this was a future, not necessarily this game's kind of augmentation, but if this was a future, if they said to you, oh yeah, you could uh you could just get yourself a contact lens that gives you a bit of mixed reality or augmented reality while you're walking along. Or you could get like an implant in your leg that gave you extra strength to run fast. A little super tear. He's rough. He's rugged. He's red-blooded. He's romantic. He's full of shit. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd get it. He's daring. He's dashing. He's dangerous. He's a daredevil. He's full of shit, too. He's Jake. As a handsome, headstrong He-Man who fought a strange and savage battle for survival. You would. Yeah, I think so. Smashing story of explosive passions. Very mercenary. This is interesting because the other concept of the game which we haven't talked about is the idea of nanophage, which is like critical Mm. to the game and to its plot. Mm. And it seems to be, if I understand it right, and correct me if I'm wrong, Teo, but it seems to be that this is a condition that arises when the technology you've implanted in your system essentially begins to deteriorate and at the same time deteriorates your physical condition and your mental condition. First, there was the nanophage, the disease of transition. A digital plague that swept across the land, killing thousands upon thousands of augmented souls. A heavy cost for meddling with our minds and bodies. There's one specific bit where it talks about nanophage only targeting biological tissue. So my understanding of it was if you are a hybrid techno person, then there's the risk that you get the nanophage, which essentially means the biological part of your body will be eaten away. This is coming from... Did you knock on the door where 
there's this weird guy who wants to be 100% machine. And at the moment, he's 98% machine. And he's talking like really logically, like you could imagine like a computer might talk. And your character asks him like, aren't you worried about the nanophage? And he says this, he's like, no, not at all. The opposite. That just means I want to get to 100% machine quicker because at that point, the nanophage won't be a risk for me. And he also sees it as being the future of humanity. So he says, maybe the nanophage isn't a curse. It's a blessing that's just like propelling us towards the machine version of our future which is the better version of our future yeah so that's an interesting idea and that's the kind of interesting idea that i actually think is sort of littered throughout this game if you look in the right places and you've given a couple of good examples there and i actually think the immaculates as well this idea that there are people who do not want any kind of augmentation and the way that's talked about in the game as well like almost like they're Mm. deliberately living a medieval life like the amish or something Mm. all right Everybody in the pool! It is a fine barn, but sure it is no pool, English. Go with! And when he speaks to them, he says sort of, but don't you feel like, you know, you're cursing your family to deprivation and to poverty and to, like, disadvantage? And the guy's almost spiritual about it. He's like, no, no, I feel like we're much more human, we're much more real as people and whatever. Is having a neural connection to the web worth renouncing your humanity? Is a body held together with screws and wires really worth a corrupted soul? And that, I think, is interesting as well, especially because this must be something I've alluded to previously and where I get into trouble for encouraging listeners to read the Unabomber's Manifesto. But (laughs) basically, this idea that technology begins as an advantage, begins as an enhancement or an augmentation, both examples of language that suggests something really positive and advantageous but pretty soon it adjusts the baseline and suddenly what was previously adequate your body is inadequate Mm. because the new baseline is no no everyone can do more work longer be happier be more productive like the radiohead song better happier more productive and actually if you choose not to do that then you are at a disadvantage Mm. and it's no longer you know, a perk, it's suddenly an obligation to get that technology. And that line is moving all the time and all the time and all the time. Mm. I think that as an idea is really compelling. And I sort of agree with that. Like I do feel like technology begins as a really exciting new development and very rapidly the baseline moves and suddenly it's like, shit, it's not fast enough. It's not good enough. This thing that was really positive in my life before is actually a drag and it can't keep up. And now I need a newer one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're moving towards that future undeniably and how society chooses to keep up with that or keep things level and fair for everyone is a massive issue for sure. And clearly this game is one version of that future where there's like one class of citizens which can't afford it or... They don't really reference those citizens though, do they? We only ever see this one snippet. Like, it makes you wonder, is this a minority of people that are living in class C or class B? Like, are the majority the... Class A? Yeah. Like, the way the game talks about it, you doubt that. It's suggested that the triangle is very much upright and that the minority are living in luxury, as you would expect, in this kind of Elysium-type society. Immediate extension of parole duration by a further... Wait, what? No, 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 no. Elevation and heart rate detected. Wouldn't you like a pill? No, I am okay. Thank you. Are you being sarcastic and or abusive? Negative. There's one bit, actually, which explicitly says, like, only drug addicts and virtual reality addicts are Class C citizens. Maybe we're seeing the minority. And, in fact, like, most people in this world are, like, living in affluence. Yeah. (laughs) Seems unlikely. But they're stuck there as well, right? Because one of the characters, 
her boyfriend was formerly a criminal or like mm. arrested for drug offenses. And now he literally just can't get into any other segment of society. He's like stuck there. Mm. There is no forgiveness in this society. It's like when you are cast, as it were, you're left in that die. Mm. Let's get on to the story then, shall we? What have we been talking about? <laughs> no, no. We've been talking about like the, the broad themes of the game. There's a clear narrative to the game, right? And a way in which the plot moves forward. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a clear narrative, but it's a narrative. Go on. Although the, on the surface of it, the entire game is set in one apartment building, it actually feels a lot bigger than that because every suspect that you meet, and we can say like it's a trail of dead people that you're essentially finding, like it's a body hunt. Ho, ho, ho. A trail of bodies. <laughs> you said you wanted me to feel a trail of bodies, everybody. Before we started, I said to Joe, this is our Christmas episode, right? So just like imagine scenery, festive scenery, snowflakes, snow falling, a Christmas tree. And Joe is like, trail of cold, dead bodies. <laughs> Yeah, starting with your son, and then you find a clue, and then you find another dead body, and another dead body, and another dead body. Well, actually, that's not quite true. So the first person that you meet, they've just been killed. Clearly, there's like a killer on the loose, like who's killed my son, and who's killed this next person. So you're trying to find the identity of this killer. They must be in the apartment building because of lockdown. They can't have got out. So one of the tools you have as an observer is like you grab this cable out of your arm, this little like metal claw, stab it into their neural implant, of whoever you found and it allows you to do like a neural interrogation which could i just say is like the sketchiest form of interrogation i've ever seen like it's useless <laughs> that's a form of interrogation like you're you're given this crazy dreamlike sequence to walk through another one because the whole game plays like a crazy dreamlike sequence anyone yeah, expecting yeah, yeah. this to feel like a cohesive narrative it's not like the whole thing is a scattergun series of like crazy scenes and sequences. Yeah, because especially those bits and eventually it starts to bleed into your reality as well. So you're not sure like when you've plugged into someone and when you haven't, but you're exploring someone's mind. So it's a visual representation of how someone's mind might be working initially on someone who's alive or just like on their deathbed, but nevertheless alive, eventually on dead people. So you're given a warning like... <laughs> literally it's like never this is forbidden strictly forbidden to do interrogation on the dead post-mortem yeah and your guy's like ah oh, whatever decline override this better be worth it i need to find my son i need to find my son override <laughs> where's my wife what have you done with my wife my son my son <laughs> what is that oh man it's uh <laughs> it's harrison ford isn't it Harrison Ford has lost his family. That's oh, yes. <laughs> Harrison Ford has lost his family. My wife. Uh, do you remember my wife? Has everyone else had their wife kidnapped? My wife was kidnapped. Mr. Chef, you're talking about my wife. My wife. What wife? Where's my wife? All I know is that I have your suitcase and you have my wife's. My wife, goddammit! My wife, I guess. This is my wife, Catherine. What about my daughter? Yeah, that was good. Good reference. But yeah, what I said about the sequences is they are abstract, but I think that's kind of cool, right? It's what you'd expect if you were given a sketchy, well, like just a visual representation of what could be going on in someone's mind. Do you think it is what you'd expect? I don't know. 
it's, it's an interpretation of what it could be, right? Your mind's totally crazy. And like all sorts of thoughts are like plowing through your subconscious and your conscious mind all the time. You're flitting from one thought to another, especially if you're on your deathbed or literally dead. I mean, I don't even know how the second one works. <laughs> it doesn't, but let's gloss over that. Well, no, I mean, if, if you want to take it in the game's terms, like if you've got this neural implant, that necessarily wouldn't die at the same time as you. So there might still be like, I don't know, data in there of some description. It might be weird anyway, is what I'm saying. It might be weird to inhabit someone else's mind. And I think the game does... <laughs> I think it would, yeah. It very much would. The game does like a job. <laughs> I'm not going to say if it's good or bad, although I thought it was effective of showing you that, basically. But I'm guessing that it didn't quite hit for you. It was just too relentless. I think if it had been moments where, for instance, and, and like we already warned spoilers going to be a bit everywhere, but part of the reason why this happens is because, as I understand it, your character does have the nanophage, right? His psyche is deteriorating and so is his body. And like the perception he has of himself as this like detective that's basically looks like a human and is fine is certainly not the perception that he has at the end of what he seems like, mm. which is this kind of like weird human with tubes coming out of him everywhere and a twisted face and a, mm. for some reason a big eye with a searchlight strapped on the top of it. Mm. And like as you play through the game, that version of yourself is like hunting you, right? And you're like trying to avoid it in vents and stuff. It's all a bit alien isolation. Mm. And my issue is that because that's so relentless, which I suppose it has to be if your mind is degrading throughout the playthrough, it has to kind of build momentum and steam. At the same time, I just didn't ever get a break from it. And when a game is that glitchy from the word go, I genuinely didn't know when the game had broken and when... It was just a little bit of a feature in the game. So like I sent Teo this video of my character just falling endlessly. And for a minute, genuinely for a full minute or more, I was like, okay, I've just got to keep looking around. Like I'll probably land in a second. And I wasn't. I'd just like fallen off the map. Classic like glitchy error. And there was another one where um, I got like stuck behind this robot. So there's this sequence in, I think it's room 10, where there's a doctor and you kind of hear the twisted shit this doctor's been doing to try and like make advanced humans. And I got stuck behind one of the robots and I couldn't move, but I was stuck so perfectly behind it. I was like, maybe I'm meant to be like inhabiting it. And I was like looking for like ways to interact with it. And I could kind of see this one thing I could interact with, but it wasn't doing anything. I was there for about three or four minutes before I was like, do you know what? I think I'm just stuck. I think this is just like a graphical error, which it proved to be because then I reloaded and it was fine. Mm. That's how glitchy the game is. That like, it's doing that to you all the time. There wasn't enough clarity. I just felt lost in this messy visual. Yeah, maybe I approached it more as maybe slightly less of a game and more of just like... An art house sci-fi experience. Exactly, just like a, a walking art exhibition. Yeah, it's like an installation, isn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm glad I remembered this. I went to Romania a few weeks ago. Me and my partner went to see Dracula's Castle, which is like Bran Castle in Romania. But there's like the castle, which is all like good and fun. But then underneath the castle, there's this horror house. and Or, uh, yeah, a horror house. Not, not so good and fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really cool, but I don't... 
think I'd ever been to one of these horror houses before where you're walking through and there's like curtains. We were the only people there. It was really cool. Um, and there's all these like skulls coming at you. It was genuinely like pretty scary, pretty fucking scary. The best bit of it, which is what this game reminded me of, was you're looking at one thing and it's not so bad. And then literally the floor like falls from under you, like half a foot or something. But you're not expecting it at all. Like you're expecting it all to happen, stuff you're looking at. But then suddenly you're like, whoa, <laughs> and like you, you fall down. And it made me like my heart really jump out of my skin. Literally pulled the ground from under you. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this game reminded me of because you can never be certain. That sounds incredibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it felt pretty sketchy to be honest. That's what this game feels like. So that doctor's room that you're alluding to, suddenly like the aesthetic changes. You think you're in the basement, you walk up the stairs, you're expecting to get to the ground floor, but instead you walk down and you're like in this, almost like this renaissance. Grand manor house. Grand manor house, yeah. With all the pictures on the wall, which are like, you usually have just like renaissance pictures, like portraits or whatever. So they're done in that style, but they've got like these slightly more subtle augmentations than you've seen previously in the game, which as an aesthetic, I think it's kind of cool. This is King Louis Thirteenth and his bio arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which actually, it reminded me, because I don't think the game's out yet, but the Greedful devs have a game coming, which is this exact genre, Cyber Renaissance. Oh, that will not be on the list. Yeah, we won't be playing it. Still, it hasn't been done too much anyway that I know of. The old cyber renaissance. Angel of death, descending from the heavens to vanquish the clockwork tyrant. You're just as they describe. Anyway, you get into that room and all you have to interact with, as is often the case in the game, is like just one button. So you're tuning the radio and as you tune the radio, like different things happen. It's a bit dreamlike and doesn't really make much sense, but it's still effective for me because you like you tune it once and all that happens the room stays the same to begin with, but just these like two legs come out of the sofa. When that happened, I was like, Wah! that really made me jump to see those two legs come out. And then eventually you're like, okay, something's always going to happen when I spin it and it gets more and more crazy. But Well, I feel like you were so much more immersed than me, man. That sounds like you actually had quite an almost like hallucinatory experience. Like for me, when I was playing and that happened, I was like, okay, there goes the legs. I'm still tuning. Okay, your sofa's in the air. Yeah. Because oh. well, that's happening constantly. It's not like a one-off. It's not like startling when it happens. Mm. I was like primed to expect the unexpected. From word go, mm. literally from that opening line, you are not in control. Whatever happens, I need you to remember, you're not in control. As soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, anything could be happening. I could not be the person I think I am. I could not be seeing the thing I think I'm seeing. Mm. Like straight away, I was primed for that. So in that room, it really frustrated me because that sequence is about 10 minutes. And actually, yeah. I've mentioned the glitches that I had and both of them were in that room and it doesn't save. The game does this autosave thing where it saves at the beginning of a sequence. And so I ended up having to play through that room like three times because of both those glitches. That's annoying. Yeah. And all you can do is interact with that radio. And first you scroll it one way, then you scroll it the other way, then you scroll it back then you scroll it back and I was like come on like I'm literally spectating a sequence of events the game devs have have prepped and they want me to watch well that's fine but then don't like pretend it's not a cutscene by giving me one button to push hmm. and that's actually true of the dialogue as well I thought so often in the conversations it was a scenario where they would say something and it would pop up your multiple choice on your screen with the number one and then an option 
that's it. So you just choose number one. <laughs> that happened loads of times. And mm. even at the end, like, you know, I don't want to jump to the end, but hopefully in and of itself, this isn't too much of a spoiler. Mm. The lockdown gets lifted, as you might expect. You're about to go and the janitor stops you and you have three options and they all amount to the same thing. Like one is he's not who he says he is. He's talking about himself. Mm. Another is help me, Janice, also talking about himself. And the third one is don't let him leave, also talking about himself. Like the subtext of all those options is exactly the same. That's not multiple choice. And I don't know, I felt like that throughout the whole game with all the dialogues. And it was that classic thing of like, choose one or two. But if you choose two, one's still there. So you can choose one next. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I just felt like I was just clicking between scenes it was like scrolling through a google slideshow or any slideshow yeah I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do more with the dialogue trees because as you say there isn't really dialogue trees in this game almost everything you get to say everything that you could have said and hear everything that you could have heard if you speak to a character mm. so you're right like until the end and a few different moments you don't have much control exactly like you're told at the beginning and that last line is like the peak of that example because you have those three options that amount to the same thing and your character doesn't even get to say them anyway yeah for reasons which you'll get to i thought that was kind of cool but maybe i was more sold on the game by this point but then if you're not going to say them anyway they could have at least given you the illusion that you would have the choice of three different things right yeah true true but yeah okay well i mean we can get more into the the main spoiler if you want in a bit Mm. but just before we get that because we're talking about these conversations that you have in doorways This is an area where I felt the game went a bit too far with its like gross outs and its seediness. And I get that it's trying to depict this horribly grimy, sordid environment. Mm. But I found myself genuinely grossed out behind the keyboard on multiple occasions and not for the reasons you might think. Like in terms of the gratuitousness, it wasn't a gratuitousness of like, oh, there's a decapitated body and blood everywhere. Or there's like a mutated wolf man. It wasn't that kind of gross out. It was more like why are they putting this content into this game? (laughs) And one of those is like a really creepy exchange that your character has with a little girl who answers the door. Mm. And she's like, um, there's no one here. And he's like, did I hear a pretty little girl in there in this really fucking horrible way? And then a second later, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm by myself. My mommy's gone out or whatever. And he's like, you're all alone in there. Again, like just compounding it. Is anyone in there? Uh, no, there's no one here. Uh, did I not hear a pretty little girl just now? <laughs> you okay? Your parents not home? No, just me. So you're all alone in there? Yes. It was really sinister and I was like, okay, atmosphere, atmosphere. But then in like a second section, you sit down at a computer, you come across these computers and people's personal computers, they call them, in people's apartments. And you can kind of read their messages and play that little game we referenced a couple of times called With Flame and Sword, Colon Spiders, even a colon title in a game, in a game. (laughs) Brilliant. But yeah, you're reading one of those terminals and there's a section about this Dove trading forum. Did Mm. you see that? Yeah, yeah. Where like, they're clearly not talking about Doves. They're like, literally just talking about children. They specify the age, its gender, how obedient it is, what it gets up to. It's all in like, creepy sort of 
suggestive language and to make it explicit in case they were like, oh no, maybe you're actually quite obtuse and you haven't picked up that this isn't what it seems to be. They've like had a moderator interrupt one of them. So one of the messages is like, oh yeah, I even asked mine to do this. And then it says like, moderator has filtered the rest of this message or whatever. Mm. So you know what they're talking about. I was just like, why are they putting this in it? It just felt really gratuitous. Mm. And 